Hello everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T and of course we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, full episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's the video version on the YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And the audio only version goes up 30 minutes prior on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just gotta search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. Make sure you subscribe to both of those, whether it's the audio version or the video version through YouTube. But of course, the easiest way to stay up to date on everything new that's coming out is to check out the link tree, which is linktr.ee slash T scary movie. If you go to my link tree, not only are there links for the YouTube page for your audio only versions, but you got links to my letterbox profile. You can check out my written reviews because I always do written reviews for anything I'm reviewing here on the show. Also, you get links to my TikTok, to my social media. Keep up with all the horror conversations I'm having right now again get subscribed to that link tree and hopefully you did because folks this has been a fun week if you are a Scream 3 fan now y'all know me I am a huge huge Scream fan uh, it is one of my all-time favorite horror franchises I grew up with it after us just getting the sixth installment, my scream fever is higher than it ever is before. I am a ghost-faced guy. I also am a big, big defender of Scream 3. Scream 3 was the first Scream movie I got to see in theaters. I got to see that with my dad back in the day, and I hold very fond memories of it. And while, yeah, I do realize looking at the cut that came out into theaters, that that wasn't really much of a horror kind of movie and that it ended up being way more of a comedy there's issues with nev campbell not being as much in the movie because she had other commitments at the time as well too it's not typically looked at as a favorite amongst the majority of scream fans that are out there i love all these scream movies like the same amount except for two two is like the high mark for me but other than that all these movies are fantastic including scream three i think it serves a very good purpose for the franchise i think honestly it happens to be more meta than a lot of the other entries end up being as well too i think roman is a fantastic killer there's so much about scream 3 that I, I i enjoy but if you're a big big fan of the series you know that the version we got isn't the version that we we're supposed to be getting for the longest time in addition to all the rumors that are there online that there is a version of the film out there that is much more uh, horrific than the version that came out in the theaters, it's been told that it's just not the version that Craven wanted to put out to begin with, that there's a lot differently that he wanted to do with the movie. So lo and behold, we get to this week here, and there's a lot of stuff going around on social media that somebody got a hold of the assembly cut of Scream 3. Now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but an assembly cut is kind of like one of the first versions of the movie that you put together after you're done with like initial filming um, a lot of times you don't really have finalized music uh, music in it you don't really have ADR or voiceovers there with it as well a lot of ambient noise and a lot of it looks uh, might be missing like CGI not in a movie like this obviously movies like these don't really contain a lot of that but it's usually very much unfinished and the pacing usually isn't that great because there's a lot of stuff that has yet been cut out you have alternate makes alternate takes of shots that you see in the final film as well and there 
there were rumors that an assembly cut for Scream 3 was coming out this week. And folks, lo and behold, it most definitely did come out this week. And while I'm not done with it yet, I have had a chance to watch half of this movie. And folks, if you are a Scream 3 fan, this is going to be the treasure chest for you. It is X marks the spot. It is a lot of what you've been waiting for here for sure. Now, if you're not a Scream 3 fan, I will say that I don't think that this version is going to change your opinion because I think if you honestly hate Scream 3, then nothing we do is going to get you to like this movie because you'd have to see something completely different from what we got theatrically to actually enjoy that film if that was the case. And I get it. I think a lot of people wanted Scream to perfectly ride that line of comedy and horror like the first two movies did. And it does lean a lot more into comedy than it does horror for sure. But it's still a really, really good movie. And the assembly cut, so good. Tired things in black and white. And we'll look to see what we can do with that. But I can tell you, right off the bat from what I've seen, the opening is so much better. Because there's already a great opening in it. If you've seen Scream 3 before, Cotton Leary on the way home. He's on a phone call with his uh, producer or his agent at the time. Suddenly he gets another call from a different woman who he starts flirting with finds out that this person might be a killer of some sorts, gets to have his own ghost face call, and then races home to go save his girlfriend, doesn't end too well for him, and that takes us into Scream 3. Now, the version that we got, there's nothing wrong with it at all. We get plenty of screen time with uh, Liev Schreiber, who plays Cotton Weary. We get his girlfriend, uh, Christine, plenty of screen time with her as well, too. But it's still played up for a lot of laughs. Like, there's a lot of jokes to be made in that opening scene. And in the alternate opening we get in this assembly cut, it's definitely played more straight. There's more, uh, more tension in it, as we have to realize, even though it's the third movie, technically, that Cotton Weary's been featured in, this is his first phone call. It's a lot like Gail. Uh, getting her phone call, her first phone call in Scream 6. You know, Gail Weathers might have been targeted by the killer numerous times and never ends up dead, but she never got that phone call with Ghostface across any of these movies, and she finally got hers in Scream 6. There's just something creepy about it. So the fact that Cotton finally gets his and it's extended, really, really better opening than what we got theatrically. Beyond that, from what I've seen thus far, Sydney Prescott can it gets introduced much earlier, so she seems more like she's a part of everything that's going on and a part of the cast, unlike the theatrical version where she shows up a bit later, and you could argue that she's not the main character, which she's not. The, the movie is absolutely Dewey and Gales, but this assembly cut does make uh, Sydney a much more prominent member of the cast. There's some fun alternate shots in it as well too, and I'm gonna do a detailed look back on it here in a few weeks when I just get a little bit more time to go through it and start like analyzing all the differences. But what I will say is, if you get a chance to check this out, which search for it, Google's your friend, you definitely wanna check out the assembly cut of Scream 3. So. Don't go anywhere, folks. I'm going to be right back here with my review of Quicksand for all of you. So stay tuned for a way to save 20% on your Fangoria orders. Hey, everybody. Looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria Magazine subscriptions, as well as 20% off 
any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW. Welcome back to T Watches a Scary Movie, and I am here with my review of the night for you, which is gonna be the 2023 film Quicksand. Now, right off the back, it's important to know that your enjoyment of this film is 100% reliant on your enjoyment of single location thrillers. Whether it's glorious, fall, buried, frozen, there's plenty of these one location thrillers that are out there. You have to be the kind of person who not only like watches these movies that are movies that are set in one location, but you enjoy them as well too. Because we all can watch any movie, but the question is, do we actually enjoy that genre of film? So if you don't enjoy these one location set movies you're not gonna like quicksand in the least bit okay and i say that to, to kind of preference me saying that quicksand doesn't do anything to rewrite this genre but with halloween season coming up it could easily find itself on one of your playlists if you're looking for just something random to put on one of these cool fall nights and you don't want to put much thought into it now Writer Matt Pitts and director Andreas Beltran uh, focused their film on Sophia and uh, Sophia and Josh, a married couple on their last legs who are looking to enjoy a trip in Colombia, trying to find some answers for their future. Now, taking an opportunity to see a different part of Colombia, the couple decide to go hiking in an ill-advised area, and after an attempted mugging, find themselves caught up to their necks in, you guessed it, quicksand. Now, I honestly couldn't think of the last film that I saw that had such a huge set piece based around Quicksand. Maybe, uh, maybe much less like the entire film. Like I'm kind of thinking Jungle Cruise might maybe had a set piece in there on Quicksand, but I haven't watched Jungle Cruise since it came out, so I don't know for sure. And if it wasn't Jungle Cruise, it's been an even longer period of time since then. Like maybe maybe escape room tournament of champions like i feel there was quicksand in that but i don't feel that the quicksand was the quicksand ultimately the trap because didn't somebody get it was escape room tournament tournament of champions remember that as i'm recording there folks because uh that definitely had a scene involving some quicksand in it but i swear i thought the characters got out of it at the end of it or maybe that was just an assumption that myself and a lot of people said because if you don't see their death on screen that person's not dead but i digress it's been a little while since I've seen a film that's actually depicted quicksand, but even longer than I've seen a movie that's actually put out a, what I would call a realistic depiction of how quicksand is supposed to work. Because we've all seen a movie or two that shows quicksand in it, and it doesn't obviously reign true for the way it's supposed to work. Here in this movie, it actually seems like they did their research the right way, which I don't know if there's any quicksand purists out there, but if there are, you're going to be delighted by what you see in this movie. Now, the movie is only 85 minutes long, and so while we're not given too much time with Sophia and Josh prior to their sticky predicament, we get a lot more time with them than we would in other films uh, that, that introduce like a couple like this. Like typically we introduce the couple and they're right in it, whereas I feel that Quicksand here did a good job of getting us to know them a bit more and kind of a little bit about their problems before chucking them into this environment that they're gonna be stuck in for the rest of the movie. And while we're not given explicit reasons for the impending divorce between Josh and Sophia, uh, the movie doesn't care enough and for good reason to establish who was the bigger cause for their problem. 
it does do a good job of not allowing us to look at either one of them in an overly negative light versus the other. I think that a lot of films like these, it's fairly common for the movie to set up. It's this person's fault. It's this person's fault that they're in this, you know, big issue in the relationship. And by the end of the movie, regardless of how sympathetic they all could end up being, we usually fall on one person's side. And I think the quicksand does a really good job here that we don't really have an easy way of taking either Sophia or Josh's side in this argument. You know, they're both either assholes or they're both good people. And we kind of want both of them to succeed. Whether that means that it's together or separate, I, find, I found it was kind of hard to root for one against the other in this film, honestly. Now, with that though, 85 minutes seems like it, that might sound robust to a lot of you, but that really is a shorter runtime for sure. And I think the bigger problem that can happen in a film like this, that's like a single location thriller, is that it's not based, like when it's not based on outside forces against your protagonist, then that couple really, really has to be interesting. Like if you think of movies like Fall, where there were some internal battles happening with our main character and the main character and her best friend as well, um, the idea was is that it's not like somebody was trying to push them off of that giant tower that they were on or that there's an evil dragon flying around the tower or anything like that. Like literally the, the, the danger is all being caused by the fact that they just can't get down. Nobody is doing that to them. And therefore, a lot of the focus of that film is based on the tension between your two leads. Here in a film like Quicksand, it's the same thing. There isn't exactly an outside force working against Josh and Sophia here, so the two of them need to be just as gripping in their interactions and what's portrayed on screen versus anything else because the movie's going to get a, get us through all the eve all the tension and all like the jumps and stuff that are going on. But the two of them still have to be incredibly entertaining for us to watch. And I don't know. Um, Quicksand does introduce in its opening that the area that Josh and Sophia are trapped in is a, a big area for drug trafficking and drug running and everything. But it's dropped almost immediately after the opening scene. Like it doesn't end up actually being much of a factor outside of that. And I don't know. In this film, while the movie definitely is lacking, I do think it's kind of for the best just because... Um, uh, while the quicksand is obviously the most perfect place to work out your marital issues, I think that the short runtime would have just been a little bit too convoluted if you add in these big problems this couple is having, but also now there are people out to kill them in this area as well too. I feel it just would have added a bit too much for the casual viewer to stay up with. So it's actually a good thing that we don't have any outside forces being pushed into this film, I feel. Now, if the poster wasn't a giveaway to you, our characters are absolutely gonna have to deal with much more than losing a few breaths in a pit of mud or sand or whatever. Yes, they do have to end up dealing with a pretty large snake that they've unfortunately fallen in the path of. Uh, and that's about the height of the tension in the movie. I mean, I do respect our filmmakers for presenting uh, a pretty reined in story without too much fluff to it. Uh, because as silly as it sounds, this seems like it is the most realistic approach to a story like this, as real as it possibly could be. But that said, that doesn't mean it's it's really too entertaining. I mean, there's certainly a ticking time clock element to the story, but it's established pretty earlier on that our characters aren't likely to uh, to to starve or to like to the the starve to death or die of thirst, and it's gonna take them a while to actually sink down into the quicksand and actually suffocate that way. So 
There is a ticking time clock, but it's not what you probably think that that clock realistically is. Um, if, if we don't have to be worried about drug runners, about the bugs, about dehydration, about starvation, um, or really even the quicksand itself, but we do need to be worried about like snakes, then the conversation between like the couple as we see it needs to be damn good. And unfortunately, it's just not that gripping after the first few rounds of it. You know, there's a round of conversation and then there's another problem that the two of them have to solve. There's a round of conversation. There's a new problem to be solved. And this just rinses and repeats. And the thing is that the conversation is only interesting the first couple go arounds. And then after that, it's just kind of like we're doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's just not that entertaining. And confusingly, though, and there are some minor spoilers coming up after this. The film almost seems to introduce some kind of subplot involving one of the members of the couple and their best friend, where it almost seems to allude to the two of them having an affair. And I say almost and confusing because it seems like the movie is right on the cusp of confirming that this happened. But instead, they're just a very close friend who is worried about the recent disappearance. And I'm not sure if it was the editing or if it was the writing, but I'd be curious if any of you who watch it got the same vibe from it. Like that's what they were going and then they just decided to abandon it after they already set it all up. And it just seems weird. Like it's almost introduced, but then it's thrown away very, very easily. Honestly, as the filmmaker, I think I probably would have doubled down on that plot point and made everything very much more apparent because even though it would have been cliche in a genre like this, I feel it would have added some much, much more necessary attention to a film that's sorely lacking right now. Quicksand doesn't feature much in the way of blood and gore and there's only some light tension to keep you interested. It's ultimately light on scares and it doesn't do enough with its premise to be a standout amongst a number of other high profile films in the genre. But with that said, Quicksand is available to watch for free right now on Shudder. That's gonna do it for me tonight, folks. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to hit subscribe. And if you've checked Quicksand out, tell me in the comments what you thought of this film. Make sure you're staying tuned to what I got coming for you next. I got plenty more great horror reviews coming up for you all, folks. But that's it tonight. My name's T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode, movie review, game review, whatever it is now at this point. Don't forget, you want to get subscribed to my official channel so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new episodes, reviews, news, whatever it is. The best way to do that is get subscribed to my link tree. That's going to be linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. Again, linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. That'll keep you up to date with new videos, podcast links for the audio-only version, as well as my letterbox where you can find written reviews. Get subscribed, and don't forget, keep watching scary movies, folks. Stay scared.